Thanks for tuning in to VSB After the Bell. I'm your host, Gianna Chow. VSB, otherwise known as the Vancouver School Board, is located on the unceded traditional lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. The district is among the most diverse school systems in Canada, with an annual enrollment of just under 50,000 students, from kindergarten to grade 12 and adult education students. That was students from Gordon Elementary performing Count on Me by Bruno Mars at their Pink Shirt Day assembly. In recognition of Pink Shirt Day, which was yesterday on February 22nd, this month on the podcast, we visit General Gordon Elementary School to hear firsthand how students and teachers participate in this annual event to address the serious issue of bullying. We all know bullying can affect friendships and learning, but most importantly, it can impact a student's physical and emotional health. Pink Shirt Day is an important day for the school community to lift each other up and stand against all forms of bullying, harassment, and discrimination. Wearing pink is not only a symbol of anti-bullying, but also reminds us to support others and engage in acts of kindness. Yesterday, we heard from Carmen, a grade four student from General Gordon Elementary, on the history of Pink Shirt Day. Um, I'm Carmen, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm in grade four. Um, so I was born in Nova Scotia. So it started in Nova Scotia, and then this kid, I forgot what grade, I think it's like seven. Um, he wore a pink, he decided to wear a pink shirt to school. And then um, a bunch of kids, um, a few kids saw him wearing that, and they made fun of him. like. Um, or like you're gay, like pinks for um, girls and stuff like that. And then um, some other people saw that happen and they didn't want to sit out of it, but they didn't want to like ram in there. Um, so then they decided um, the next day to order a bunch of pink t-shirts and um, email everyone they know. And, um, and they gave the shirts to them and then a bunch of people showed up and the guy obviously didn't wear a pink shirt the next day because he didn't want to get bullied again so they saved him an extra shirt and gave it to him and they made pink shirt day.
To mark Pink Shirt Day, the Soji Club at Gordon, which stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity Club, hosted a Pink Shirt Day assembly to talk about this special day, what it means to be kind to others, and the importance of gender identity and expression. The club has about 50 student members from grades 4 to 7 and is a place for students to share their stories and work together to support the 2S LGBTQIA community. Here's a clip of Gordon Soji Club reciting a poem about Pink Shirt Day written by Jared Kubla. Pink is compassion, nurture and love, harmony, peace, pink is a dove. It's not hard to see what pink is about. Pink is awesome, there's no doubt. Pink is, but, but pink is another thing that some people say, but why is pink female and why is blue male? Well, the sky isn't manly, pigs aren't ladylike, but put a pink shirt on a man, everyone dislikes. Pink apparel on boys leads people to say, you're so girly, or worst of all, man, are you gay? There's a problem with this, doesn't sound quite right. Pink determines your orientation, yeah, right? Of course it doesn't mean that, silly. Gay is just another word for bad. Oh, really? Gays aren't bad and neither are straights. We're all human beings, so why should we hate? But we love to hate, to loathe, to despise. People do it so much they don't have any eyes. So let's stop the hate, break stereotypes, change people's minds, get rid of the hype. We're pink to fight off the misguided crowd. We're pink not shyly, but we're pink proud. After the performances, we caught up with some of the Soji Club members and asked them what Pink Shirt Day means to them and why they chose to stand up against bullying. Take a listen to the thoughts of grades 6 and 7 students, JC, Mariana, and Lila. I think it's important that we show everyone that even if we're not all the same, we should all be included and stick together against bullies. And it's just really important that we're, um, that we're kind to everyone because we're all humans. It's not like one is worse than the other. So we should all stand up against the people who think that. I feel like it's important because you want people to feel comfortable and not feel like they don't belong or like they're not safe or something. You want them to feel comfortable and I think it's really, really nice to stand up for someone because it's just something, I don't know, it just makes you feel good afterwards. I think, I, I know what it's like to be bullied for, who, for what you choose to do and it sucks. It's all about coming together and standing up against that one person who thinks a different way and is rude to everyone else. Yeah, for sure. We also got to chat with the teacher behind the magic, Kyle Nyland, grade three, four teacher and Soji club lead at Gordon, who shared his thoughts on the importance of Pink Shirt Day and why it's important to continue teaching at the school. We need to create an environment that promotes inclusivity and by uh, acknowledging different kinds of people, we create inclusive environments. When I was a child, there was no talk of Pink Shirt Day, it didn't exist, right? And there was no acknowledgement that some people might be different. They might not fit into the typical gender or sexual norm. So I think now as an adult and an educator, I have an opportunity and a responsibility to be able to create space for kids that are 
different, right? Feel different, whether that's externally or internally. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to have the opportunity and have such a wonderful and thriving Soji Club in the school. The idea that Pink Day is here to sort of support the LGBTQ community is there's varying degrees of understanding, right? Based on from, from kindergarten all the way up to grade seven. And obviously for the younger kids, they don't understand it as well, but having the overall overarching message be anti-bullying is, is great anyway, right? Just, just thinking about the fact that everyone can be different, people can present differently, uh, and that we just love and respect them for their choices, right? For their authentic choice making. And I, I think a lot of my a lot of my Soji Club, most of my Soji Club probably identify as heteronormative, right? And and gender sort of normative as well. But the that's not really the point, right? The point is that like anyone could join and have space to feel safe like feel safe. And I'm hoping that these kids go into secondary school and take this knowledge with them, right, and this message. Yeah. So we continue to break down bullying at this age and at all their way, all their way through school. It's so great to hear about the amazing work that's happening in schools in support of the global movement that strengthens inclusivity in our communities. Pink Shirt Day falls on the last Wednesday of February every year, and schools in our district continue to raise awareness about Pink Shirt Day to create inclusive learning environments where every student can experience a deep sense of belonging. Make sure you check out our recent website story about how schools participated in Pink Shirt Day this year. We have a reoccurring segment on the show called Matter of the Month where we address the most talked about topics. ChatGPT has recently taken the news cycle by storm. From students to adults, millions have signed up to use the artificial intelligence language processor in a mere matter of weeks since launching in December of 2022. With so much frenzy and questions swirling around the platform, I invited Jeff Spence, District Principal of Information Technology, and Aaron Tarbuck, an English and Career Life Connections teacher at David Thompson Secondary, about how the AI tool would impact students and teachers. Um, first off, can either of you tell me what is ChatGPT for listeners who are not familiar with this AI technology? I'll start that off. As a, uh, at the basis, ChatGPT is a computer program that is accessing huge amounts of data. And it is also learning along the way based on the interactions that it has with people who are asking the questions and feeding it answers. Other than that, you can go into the history of it where it was being trained by, to determine whether it was a, a computer program or a real person. There used to be these games that you could play 20 years ago. Is it real or is it not real? And uh, along the way, it was gaining more and more knowledge and learning, hence the moniker artificial intelligence. So it's more than just a repository of information. It's also learning and taking that information to formulate new responses. So um, practically speaking, because um, I've tried it before, basically you can type in any question or uh, a command like write me a podcast episode into this platform, into this app or online browser, and then it will spit out 
uh, episode for you that's written already for you. And it's taking information from the web and putting that all together. Is that how you would characterize it? In general, that's a good starting spot. Um, Even more than that, it's, it's training you on how to ask the right question. So you could say, write me a podcast, but then you could say, write me a 15-minute podcast targeted to adults in the IT community. Mm-hmm. Like You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it can get more and more specific. And hence, the outcome will be more and more specific. I've actually done that. Whereas if you do that in Google, you're still going to kind of get the same hits and they're going to feed you the same uh the same websites or links because a lot of that is paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, to some that might sound kind of scary. You know, you have this potential robot artificial intelligence collecting all this information and then spitting it out. What does this mean? Are they going to take over the world? Um, Maybe we should start with students. What does this mean for students? Well, first of all, don't be scared of it. People are afraid of things when they don't understand them. So right away... Part of this podcast is we're encouraging people to get knowledge on their own and to try it out so that they're not afraid of it. So what does it mean for students? Uh, well, that's a big question. Students right now are signing up and using it. So surprise teachers, it's already out there and it's only been out there for two months and it's only going to grow as more and more students adopt it. And so this isn't necessarily a warning to parents and to teachers, but it's, hey, this is here and it's not going to go away Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be blocked. Yeah. And I heard, um, I saw some stats, something like there were a million subscribers within a couple of days. I remember doing a talk and Instagram, it took them two years to get to a million. Uh, TikTok, it took them one year to get to a million subscribers and chat GPT when it launched this past December, December, 2022, it took, a month to get to a million. And then another few weeks after that, it jumped to 10 million and a hundred million and it continues to grow. Yeah. It's so it's it's inevitable that all of us will eventually get our feet wet, um, trying it out at least. Mm -hmm. Aaron, how about you from, you know, teaching at a secondary level? What does this mean for your students? I think for some of them, they're thinking, Fantastic. I don't have to write that essay. (laughs) Um, For students, I think there is sort of an opportunistic perspective. uh, And for, are we talking about teachers yet or no? (laughs) Are we waiting on that? Yeah, we can talk about teachers too. I think, as Jeff mentioned, some teachers are afraid um, of what this means in terms of what they're assigning. Um, So, yeah. What does it mean for you as a teacher? It's another tool. Uh, And it's, you know, I, have the same attitude to it as I did to spell check and grammar check and Grammarly and Google. It's, it's just another tool. How are we going to use it? How are we going to teach kids how to use it? How are we going to, um, make sure they're using it in a way that supports them developing and growing? It's kind of like, um, for math, Uh, Jeff, you were a math teacher once, um, you know, the use of a calculator. Yeah, I remember early days teaching math. So I started teaching in 1991. And I would often, the, the students would say, can we use calculators on this or not? And I would be, no calculators allowed, thinking that, oh, they had to grow their brain. But I've, I've changed my position a little bit in that there's times 
to memorize, there's times to learn and to grow your brain. But there's also times where use the tools that are at your disposal and use them to the best of your ability. And in fact, now there's a section in math 10, 11, 12, where it's like teaching you how to use your calculator, mm. graphing calculators. We have graphing calculators in the schools mm -hmm. to loan to students if they don't have their own. And uh, in the same way that we use computers and we teach all about computers and mm -hmm. programming. So we don't often say, don't use a computer. No Google allowed. Yeah. Like our, our first knee jerk reaction to new technology is always to block it, limit it, not use it. And here we are again. And there will be people who say, don't use it. So, um, Aaron, how do you incorporate this type of technology in your classroom then? Well, I haven't had a lot of time yet. It's only been around for a few months. Um, so far, uh, it's it's come up from student questions saying, hey, can I try writing this using chat? And yeah, go for it. Uh, and looking at it uh, in terms of, is this a good piece of writing? What are some of the things we've learned? And can we apply our critical thinking skills? Uh, look at that piece of writing. Plans for the future uh, use are to actually get kids to type in their topics for what it is they want to write about and see what it produces. And then again, apply our critical thinking skills, but also is this something we can use maybe part of to move forward with? Hmm. Um, you mentioned there, there might be some challenges from a teacher's perspective. Can you maybe go into a little bit more detail it's going to be messy are. for a year or two <laughs> until is. people learn yeah. it and until all yeah. the teachers are aware of possibilities and uh, able to be fluent in the language of AI. So I know um, for a lot of teachers, they've expressed concern that students are just going to hand in papers that they haven't actually written. Yeah. And I think if our focus as teachers, especially in English, is on the end product, show me your paper. Yes, that's going to be really problematic. But I think with the new curriculum, we know that we're teaching skills. And so we're also teaching process, not just let me see the final thing you hand in. So in my classes, we're already talking about what's your process? How did you get to this point? What were the different stages like? What did it look like? Show me your revisions. And so that, I think, focusing kids on the process and the skills they need to have rather than the final product is more fruitful because it is a skill they're developing, certainly in writing and critical thinking and research. Um, so that's one way I'm 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 using it. Uh, other... Other concerns that teachers have, I think, are rooted in um, they're, they're still very focused on getting students to write about topics that are really well written about, like writing about a Shakespeare play, for example. You can get a chatbot to write you a really average essay mm -hmm. <laughs> on a Shakespeare play. Um, and it can be really labor intensive as a teacher to try and figure out if a student actually wrote that when you only have the paper in front of them. Um, so I think, again, going back to process, having students work in front of you, you know, guiding them through the stages, helping them along the way, you can really see what a student is capable of and what the next steps are for them in their learning. So what do you have to say to a student who has taken home an assignment and you say your writing assignment is about a current affairs topic, such as how is ChatGPT affecting schoolwork? For some, they will do the work from scratch, but for others, they may go online and ask ChatGPT to write the assignment for them. How do you combat this potential cheating from students? 
oddly enough, my students actually just did some writing on this. Um, so I tweak the question a bit. I'd say, talk about your experience directly with how current affairs affects you, the news media. Um, because AI can't, as far as I can tell, can't really duplicate personal content. And so when you're conferencing with students, you can say, oh, you mentioned this. Can you elaborate upon that? And if a student can't talk about their own personal experience, they say, oh, is is that your experience you're writing about? Or were you maybe not sure? Because we know that kids will do stuff when they can, and they tend to cheat when they can't do something. And so, you know, creating the conditions where students can be successful is is really important as teachers. So what I'm hearing is making sure you have a lesson plan that, um, you know, in embraces this technology, understand that it's out there and not writing mm -hmm. it. So it's kind of so vague enough that anyone yeah. could produce an answer for, but almost customizing it to your students and your classroom. Um, so it, you know, you could use this tool as a resource, but it wouldn't produce the final answer. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe a, uh, a former assignment would be something like uh, compare the love of Romeo and Juliet to the movie Titanic and bring that in on Monday. So kids go home and they write this essay or now they go home and chat GPT writes the essay. But really what the assignment will be is when they come back to class, you say, okay, everybody go home and have chat GPT write an essay for you. And when you come back, we're going to discuss how chat GPT did. Mm. Do you agree with it? and discussing it in groups and analyzing the results of that, which would, which is a different assignment, mm -hmm. but it's, is it not the same learning outcomes where you're discussing, you're learning how to compare and contrast, you're learning how to present presentation skills with core, that's one of the core competencies. And so we focus more on core competency learning as opposed to Romeo and Juliet, mm -hmm. which was just a vehicle to get yeah. us there. You're learning, uh, you're teaching students how to use critical thinking mm -hmm. and kind of do that research aspect and for themselves decide, does this, whatever um, text that has been developed, does that actually apply to my assignment? Or does it serve the purpose that I have? And that's, that's a big one. I mean, you can get AI to write pretty much anything. Does it work well? What are the criteria? What are the things we're looking for? Mm -hmm. uh, what's been the reaction of students? <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> First well, of I, don't, I don't know because <laughs> I was shadowing a student and I said, oh, that assignment your teacher just gave you, I can do it right now. And I just fired up ChatGPT and I did the assignment, which was would have taken her hours to oh, do. Oh, no, Jack. She said, you can't do that. That's cheating. And so students are also very cognizant of what's cheating and what's not cheating mm -hmm. and what's learning and what's not learning. Yeah. Getting them to think about, um, I think, you know, the question I'm thinking about is, you know, how do you get students engaged in their learning? And just asking them, what do you want to get out of this experience, this course, what we're doing here? What are your goals and valuing that? It's so important. And when you do get them to talk about that, they have plans. And our role as educators is to support them, right? To help mm -hmm. them formulate those plans and support them. And and chat, AI chat, but I'm sorry, I'm not even using the right term. Chat <laughs> just, GPT. Chat GPT. It's just another tool in the toolbox, right? 
Um, what about teachers? What's been the reaction from a teacher? Oh, it's still too new. Most teachers don't even know about it. Every time I talk to groups, they're they're like, well, "What is this?" Or maybe they know the word. They're like, "Oh yeah, I heard about that right. in the news." But did they actually make the effort to go? to the website, sign up for it and try it out and see what all the talk is about. And so again, I encourage teachers, parents, everybody go and sign up and use it and see what it's all about. I've heard fear <laughs> from some colleagues there. Oh no. Um, Are they afraid though, because they're going to have to change? Are I've, they afraid? What I've, are they afraid of? I think the fear has been, how will I know if my students have cheated? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think... It's the same problem unless you've seen, unless you're valuing process and teaching kids about like the stages of writing or the stages of moving through a math problem, you're still going to be stuck wondering if you don't know your students well, or you haven't seen them work, or you haven't supported them. You're still stuck wondering, did they do this or did a machine do this? And so what is it I need to look for? And I, I do think that many teachers are just, it's, it is hard to change. <laughs> well, that was, that's when I heard about it in the news was, um, it, it, you know, it wasn't so much about the technology. It was about students using the technology to write essays for assignments. This is talking about post-secondary students. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I thought, oh, how does this apply to our secondary students here, um, at the VSB and f from talking to you guys, it really sounds like, you know, you have to change and adapt your lesson plan to modern technology. And that's how the redesign curriculum was um, was worked out, was developed, is because using Google or using a calculator is not considered cheating. It's a tool that will enhance your learning. And it's also something that will be used in the real world when students graduate from high school, move on to post-secondary. And we can't be avoiding these types of technology. We need to be helping them embrace it and understand how can they utilize it? How can they leverage the technology to make their own work processes flow more efficiently? And I see that also mirrored in, even in my own work is, you know, I do a lot of writing for my work and you could say that this AI technology could be taking over my job, but really it still needs a human touch at the end of the day. It's there sometimes to provide a framework. I could ask it to, to help me with a question and have a framework developed, but I I still need to add the human touch where I can provide value and show that use my critical thinking skills and understand how it will apply to my situation directly. And I mm -hmm. see students can do that as well. Mm -hmm. Seems like this is also a great equalizer across the world. Like we're really fortunate in British Columbia to have a great education system and great teachers. Um, but that's not the case worldwide. There's many kids that don't even go to school. So what do they need? They have, we have a repository of information and they just need the on-ramp to get there. Mm -hmm. And so you don't need fancy computers. You don't need a ton of things with a cell phone and a connection to internet. You can hit YouTube or chat GPT and you can learn virtually anything. Mm -hmm. My last question is, um, you know, we talked a lot about students and teachers. How about parents? Do you have any tips for parents and how to navigate around this new technology? It's tough for parents because parents are all experts at school. They all spent 12 years in yeah. the system. 
or 13 <laughs> or 14. <laughs> um, and so they have this expectation of what they did made them successful. Yeah. And so why would we change it? But if you go back to the 1930s and 40s where hitting kids was common practice mm-hmm. in schools to motivate them, uh, we've moved a little bit along from that. And we're continuing to move and education is shifting. And one of it is because of these tools that are emerging. School has changed so much, even just in the last 10, 15 years and how children learn and how they're educated. Mm -hmm. There have been profound shifts, even in watching my oldest and youngest children move through in the old curriculum and the new curriculum. Uh, But in terms of advice for parents, I think there's so much connection often between elementary schools and children and their families. And that really tends to frizzle a bit um, in high school. Mm. And it is harder, I think, for parents to be connected to what their children are doing and learning about in schools. I think Teams has changed that a bit. I think some teachers in the VSB are still using Teams, which is great, allows parents to see what's going on for their children and to support their children at home and their learning. Um, But the biggest thing I I would say is, you know, getting kids to talk about Mm -hmm. what it is they're doing at school as they're able. And if they're not able to then reach out to teachers and say, hey, what is it you're looking for my child to learn or do? Especially if there are assignments that are coming home for marks Mm -hmm. to ask that really important question. What do you want to see my child able to do? So be proactive. Yeah. Don't wait. Reaching out. Yeah. We spoke about this in the last episode about the redesigned curriculum. The way teachers teach is different from when I went to school. Take homework, for example. I was raised on the mindset that more homework is better for students because you're practicing your skills. But in fact, I find as I speak to more teachers today, they're giving less homework to students and promoting more in-class work. This doesn't mean that they're slacking off. Rather, teachers want to develop a more well-rounded individual. And you need time outside the classroom to do that. You need time for those extracurricular activities and being bogged down in homework after school will not give you that opportunity to do so. It's also promoting a work-life balance to give us time to check in with our mental well-being. So as we continue to change and update our ways of teaching, technology will also change our ways and influence how we teach as well. The main themes I heard today from you two as educators is to embrace this tool, not avoid it. AI is not coming. It's here already. And we need to update our ways of teaching to utilize the tool and not fear it. The first step is to try it yourself. Experience how this tool can work and talk openly about it with your child or student. Do you guys have any uh, kind of closing comments for our listeners? Words of wisdom? (laughs) Words of wisdom to the parents is go and try it. Sign up. OpenAI.com. Sign up and try it. For teachers, I would say... um, It's just another tool (laughs) and uh, embrace it. Try it out. Uh, See what you can get kids to do with it. See what you can do with it yourself. Don't be afraid of it. Thank you, Jeff and Aaron, for providing insightful information to this new and up and coming technology. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to VSB After the Bell. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Your feedback helps us improve and create more content that you'll like. 
Remember, we release episodes monthly on the last Thursday of the month. We'll catch up with you then. Yeah.